0: Worship team, thank you. Awesome job today. And I, I don't know about you, but I am, I am, I am feeling great today. I, I'm encouraged. I, I am excited about today. And I think it's all because I, think, I've got something to show you. Okay? That I am actually on uh, Team Jordan today. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I thought we'd get a little more rousing applause than that. I don't know. I, that just came over me for the last moment. But uh yeah, we were at Ordination last week, all wore our Team Jordan shirts, it was awesome, they all looked at us strange there, but you know, it's, it is who we are, so there you go. Man, I am, hey, uh, my name is Brad, I'm lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here, and uh, I'm excited about this week. We are in week two of, of Be Rich, our Be Rich campaign, and we got this wild idea last year uh, of, of doing this we're actually joining about 70 other churches across the country that are doing a Be Rich campaign for their communities and uh, when we started this last year we had no idea what to expect and I you know me Mr. Pessimistic here I said uh, you know if we raise $5,000, we're going to be excited, you know. And George and said, no, we're going to do lots more than that. And I said, you're crazy. And we had this, you know, ongoing thing. And then by the end of last year's Be Rich campaign, we had raised over $40,000 for Shepherd's House. It was amazing what you did. And, and so if you have not been involved in, in this from last year, uh, it's just a, a time that we just, man, we just raise a bunch of money and we give it all away. And we don't have a goal of how much we're going to raise but we do have one goal, and that's this, is 100%. We want 100% uh, participation from everyone here, whether you're watching online. Just jump in, and then we're going to give 100% of it away. 100% participation, 100% of it away, and we cannot wait to see what, what's going to happen here. And, and we're just going to stretch ourselves. We're going to challenge ourselves. I'm going to challenge myself this year and just see, hey, what can we do? What is God asking us to do to just, man, intervene in some people's lives? And it's just been so cool. So this year we are partnering with a, a ministry that uh, we supported for quite some time. Uh, personally, Barb and I, uh, it's JJM, which is the, just, the Juvenile Justice Ministry. It's a division of Youth for Christ. And uh, Joe Wright uh, heads that up, has been heading it up for years. Uh, Barb actually used to work with him at, at Youth for Christ, and an amazing man. He's actually... One of our C3 sports soccer coaches has been coaching for us uh, uh, for years and just an amazing humble man has a passion for these kids that have been uh, incarcerated and just does an amazing job. Has somebody working with him by the name of Ashley and um, man, we couldn't be more excited about what they're doing and we're going to be able to partner and we hope to just kind of blow them away. And I hope you sense that God is doing something here at Crossbridge not only through the Be Rich campaign, but just, man, there's just some so much cool stuff that God is intervening and God is moving here at Crossbridge. And, and, and I hope that you are engaging in it. A few weeks ago, I, I spoke about being in the game, having skin in the game. And, and it's so easy for us to, to set up in the stands and watch a game and cheer everything on. Or maybe even if, if we're on the team and we're on the bench and we don't really get in and we, we cheer everybody on, but it's different being in the game. It's different actually being there and being on the front lines and watching God move and watching us, him working through us into the lives of other people. And I hope that's what you're doing. I, I pray that you are engaged in what God is doing in us and through us here at Crossbridge because it has just been so much fun this year to sit back and, and watch what is happening. And, and so we're going to just be talking about generosity over the next couple of weeks. And, and, and we're going to start in kind of a weird place today where Christmas is coming early. We're going to start in a Christmas story today. We're going to be, be in Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2 and, and just kind of unpack those stories and, and, and see what God has to say for us. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to money, it's kind of hard to talk about in the church. I can remember when I first started coming to church, I hated when, when someone would come up and start talking about money. You know, it's just one of those, those things. And, and, and it's, it, Jesus talked about it all the time, so we don't shy away from it here. So we are going to talk about money. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to push you a little bit harder today than what I normally would. I'm going to push myself a little harder today than what I, I normally would. Because I'm not talking about us trying to, to get money for ourselves. I'm talking about raising some money to give away. We're giving 100% of this stuff away. So I'm going to push us a little bit harder about being generous today and why we're, we're doing this. So just kind of hang on. I, I, I love this time of the year. and I love what we're doing here because I think it does. It, just, it gives us an opportunity to really check ourselves to see where we are in our, in our own lives with, with generosity and how we're, we're moving the way God wants us to move. And I think every one of us here wants God to move and wants God to intervene in our lives and in our communities, in our families' lives, in our workplaces' lives. And, and I would say that we can live our lives in a way that gives God the opportunity to move. We can live our lives in such a way that, that God has, has time and, and, and can push and can move in, in people's lives around us And that's because of our generosity, our generosity in our finances, our generosity in our time. That is where we see God moving. Our posture is so important of how we look at ourselves and how we look at how do we bring ourselves, how do we bring a little piece of heaven down here on earth? How do we usher in the kingdom of heaven here on earth? And so there's this verse in Matthew uh, chapter 6, and Jesus himself is talking, and he tells us that we are supposed to store up treasures in heaven. We are not supposed to store up treasures here on earth. We're supposed to store up treasures in, uh, in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy them. And so often in our culture, in our societies, we are pushed to just to do everything we can to store up stuff for ourselves, to store up stuff for our families, to be all in here. And, and Jesus saying, no, that is not the way. And then he ends the verse with this, with this in, in Matthew chapter six, verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will also be. Your heart follows your treasure. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. And the question I had to ask myself, the question I ask us today, is that can you have a heart for God void of generosity? Can you have a heart for God void of generosity? And I would argue that no, that we cannot. We have always got to be looking where God wants us to move, where God wants us to invest, where God wants us to be part of the solution that he is working on. And our finances gives us a window into our heart for God. And, and, and it is so true when you think about this, when Jesus says, you know, but wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And, and, and I just know for myself, it's, it's so true. And, and, and maybe you've got some investments in the stock market and you follow the stock market. It's been kind of ugly lately, hasn't it? You look at your 401k, and, 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 and you think about, you know, here's, here's my, my nest egg. Here's my thing for retirement, and, and we follow it, don't we? Which is kind of a natural thing. Or maybe something a little closer to home for some of us is, is our Amazon orders, you know? We order something on Amazon, you know, and we've got, oh my gosh, it's one day prime, you know? And it can be here in one day. You think, this is awesome. And then you get this notice that it's delayed, and you think, what is going on here, you know? I can wait two days, but maybe, you know, any more than that. Because where our treasure is, that is where our heart is also. And then the question also is, are we investing in an area that we can see God move? Are we putting our resources, are we putting our times in, in, in a place where, where we are expecting to see God move? That we are investing in an area that, that we can see the results, and I hope that you are. Are we looking for the fruit, as we've been talking about? Are we looking for if I'm spending money, if I'm investing money, if I'm giving money, if I'm doing this to this charitable organization, and including Crossbridge. I hope that you see that when you, when you give to Crossbridge, that you can look and see what's being, being done here. You can see lives being transformed. Are we expecting God to move in the areas that we are investing in? It is so crucial for us. Expecting God to move where we are putting our time, where we are putting our finances, our resources in. So with that backdrop, let's go to Christmas. Who's ready? Christmas is coming early. How many Christmas people, you know, you're you're just looking for ways to decorate? All right. Not so much anymore. All right. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And I just got to be honest and stop here for just a minute. Two turtle doves. I've never seen this before. I just kind of put it together with the song for the very first time. This, you know, I don't know about you. I don't know where the, part trees and the pear tree is, but anyway, that was, never mind. Two turtle doves, the first time I noticed it, that's what they did. All right, Matthew chapter 2, going on. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. I'm sorry, it's all I got. And, and Jesus is born, Christmas is all over, and I'm going to mess with your nativity scene just a little bit, okay? So we're going to mess with that a little bit here. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that rose and we have come to worship him. And Herod hears this, King Herod hears this, and he's a little bit ticked off because he hears that there's this new king of the Jews that has arrived. And he wants to know a little bit more information about this because he's worried about his, him being dethroned from his king, kingdom, Okay. And so he, he calls in some people and says, what's this prophecy I hear about? And so the, they talk about the prophecy. To, they tell King Herod about Jesus was supposed to be born in, in Jerusalem and Bethlehem and, and, and everything that's happening there. So he calls in these wise men and says, hey, what's going on here? And when you find him, let me, me know. He devises, actually devises a plan that he's going to kill this king of the Jews. So he calls, in the, he calls in the wise men. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Notice this, verse 11. They entered the house. Jesus is no longer a baby. He's not in the manger. This is probably two years after he's actually been born. So your wise men at your nativity set is a little bit messed up, okay? Just take your wise men and camels and move them down the mantle a little bit because they're not quite there yet, all right? So here we go. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense. But wait, there's myrrh. I'm going to try it in a second, too, just to see what happens. I couldn't help myself. Okay, frankincense and myrrh. I'm doing my best. I mean, really. All right. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone and the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with a child and his mother. And isn't it interesting, guys, that the angel has to tell Joseph what all to pack. Pack the baby and don't forget the mother, okay? The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with a child and Mary, his mother and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. And I want to talk about these two gifts that we're, we, we just read about. See, there were two offerings that, that, that were given, and, and there's this whole thing in Scripture that the Bible talks about these tithes and these offerings. And a tithe is just simply merely 10%, it means 10%. And what God has asked us to do, what God had required of Israel is, is that I want you to give me the first fruits, the first 10% of anything you have. It's us returning to God what he has graciously given us. We have nothing. We don't earn any money that isn't God's in the first place. It is all his. And God just saying, why don't you live on 90% and give me 10%? And I would like the first of it. Just to see if you actually do trust me in what you are, how you are living. And then anything above that is the offerings. So you would the law would require you to give 10%, and then anything you want to give above and beyond that would be an offering. And these are offerings. These are, are, are what, what the wise men and what Joseph and Mary were giving, okay? And this is just for us to see the kingdom of God advance. It's this, this institution that God has given so that, that, that we can advance the kingdom here on earth. So what I want to do is I want to look at these, these, these stories through basically three different filters, three different ways that we can kind of unpack this. And the very first one is this one. Contribution and capacity. Contribution and capacity. Contribution is what you are given, okay? Or what you are giving. The capacity is what you have been given. So there's this this capacity what we have, and contribution is what we are giving. And Joseph and Mary has a small gift to give in a dedication. These two turtle doves. And honestly, it's not what was required actually by the law, okay? I want to go to the book of Leviticus, which I know you all know, been reading all the time, Leviticus chapter 12. Here's what it says. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offering to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. So she's supposed to bring a one-year-old lamb. But there's a clause here that God gives us. Verse 8, if a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two Turtle doves, which is what Mary and Joseph did, or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. God has got a provision so that everyone can participate, so that everybody can give some type of an offering, contribution, and capacity. He looks at our capacity for contribution. Okay? And that's why this percentage giving is so brilliant. When God set this whole thing up and said, you know what? I, I want your first fruits. I want the first 10% to come to me. I, I, and, and it doesn't matter whether you have very little or whether you have a whole bunch. It's, it's, it's this percentage giving of God is asking us to, to give out of our heart, out of our joyful heart, uh, back to him to see the kingdom advance. And some of you may be sitting out here and thinking, well, Brad, that is just so Old Testament. You know, there's really not a lot of tithing talked about in the New Testament. There's not a lot about offerings in the New Testament, you know, and Jesus brought in this new covenant, but I love the words of Jesus himself in Luke and Matthew. There's stories of, of Jesus actually talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's talking to them about what they are giving. He says, you are so careful to make sure that you give exactly 10% of, of all your spices, of all the money, of all the things that you've gotten, but yet you do other things that are so out of line. And what he tells them, he doesn't tell them to stop. He says, continue to do that. That is good. But also clean up your heart. Jesus himself talking about this. And then the other things, you know, you talk about the the law and Jesus, he he says, you know, you've heard it said that you should not murder. But I'm telling you, if you even get angry at somebody, you have already committed murder. Jesus doesn't take the law and, and get rid of it. Jesus takes the law and he elevates it. He says, that you've heard it said that, that if, if you commit, you should not commit adultery, but I say that if you even look at someone with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. He takes it to a whole other level. And I think if you'd ask Jesus, what about this whole 10% thing? He would say, you know what? Yeah, that's all good. You should do that. But I'm telling you, because he knows where our heart is, if our treasure's there, our heart will follow it. He's wanting to make sure that, that our heart is in the right places when it comes to finances. He's the one that says, don't store up for yourselves. Don't store up for yourselves this treasure. It's for others. Then we have a story of this rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, what, do I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at his heart, and he knows his heart. He knows what's driving him. He knows what his treasure is. And he tells them, you've got to sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then follow me. There's something connected between our, between our heart and, and our resources and our finances, and I'm telling you, for me, it was a struggle for so, so many years, and it all boiled down to whether I trusted God with my finances or not. So yes, Jesus talks about our generosity. He talks about a ton in the New Testament. And the interesting thing is that God doesn't hold us accountable for what someone else has, has given. He doesn't ask you to give what you can't. He looks at contribution and capacity. And there's this interesting story in Mark chapter 12 where Jesus is actually with his disciples and he's watching people give money into the collection plate, if you will. And, and they're actually watching what's happening here. And, and some people are coming in with these big monetary gifts and, and, and the, some of the disciples get excited and other people get excited about this. And there's this little woman, this destitute woman that comes in and she puts in a couple of coins. And Jesus calls, tells his disciples, as a t- teaching moment. He says, see this woman. She's given everything. These two small coins, which, would, you know, didn't, didn't make that much of a difference anywhere. But it was her heart that Jesus is looking at. Where her treasure is. And that's the thing that we have got to learn. What he's trying to teach his disciples is about Are we trusting with what God has given us, contribution and capacity? The next filter I want to look at is sacrifice and supply. And I'm going to be honest, we're going to tread a little bit lightly here if we can. Because so many churches and so many pastors have abused this whole thing. The sacrifice and supply. What Joseph and Mary gave was a sacrifice. They didn't have a lot. They couldn't give what was the the normal law of the of the lamb so they gave these two little tubs but they gave anyway The jesus talks about the woman who gave her two coins it was a sacrifice for her she gave everything that she had out of their lack they continued to give having little they sacrificed to honor god because they trusted him with what was going to happen there's something about there's something about sacrificing it gives god the opportunity to move there's something about our sacrifice that gives God the opportunity to use what's in our heart and to work and to move and to make a difference. There's a story in, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, I believe it is, that David, there's a plague going on. He's going to give a sacrifice to stop the plague, and he, he goes to a town, and, and there's a gentleman there that says, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you the place for a sacrifice. I'm going to give you the, the, the wood to make the burnt. I'm going to give you the animals. And David says, no, I will not make a sacrifice that doesn't cost me something. And so he pays the man for everything. He's not going to give something to God that doesn't cost him. God honors the stretch. And God supplies when there is a sacrifice. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to give so that I get something. I need God to move, so I'm going to give something to get. I'm going to give 10, and God's going to give me 100. It's not the way it's working. It's not the prosperity gospel. But there's something uniquely tied That when we have a heart for others and we give and sacrifice for others so we can move, we watch God do something absolutely amazing. When we are in our heart, want to usher in the kingdom of of heaven here on earth, through our generosity, through our giving, through our time, it makes all the difference in the world. And Mary and Joseph, they can't give the normal offering, but they, they give something lesser and watch what God does. We're going to see God supply in an amazing, amazing way. Where there's a heart of sacrifice, God is going to supply. Let me read you a piece of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others, as the scriptures say. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Sacrifice and supply. When we sacrifice, God supplies. And we say this every time we talk about money. And I want you to hear our hearts here. We truly don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to be free of, 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 of being bound by, by material and financial things. Trust God to come through, I'm telling you, it will radically change everything for you. Malachi 3.10, you've probably heard this verse, if you heard anything talk about money, where where God says, just test me in this. Give me me the tithe, and and just test me in this, and let me me show you. I'll throw open the barn doors. You won't be able to to handle the supply. God is there. So we have this story of Joseph and Mary, and they give these two turtle doves, just this, this little offering. And then what happens? The wise men Show up, and I and I love this, you know. And we've got the total wrong idea of the wise men coming and, and visiting Jesus. We we have this picture of these three guys on a camel with their their little gold gifts and things like that. This would have been so much more than that. You could not have mistaken these people coming. This would have been an entourage like you have never seen before. I mean, there probably would have been over a hundred camels. They would have had herders with them. They would have had cooks with them. They would have had people who were were guarding them to make sure they weren't being robbed. There was. This was a caravan like you've never seen before that showed up to see Jesus. It would have been unbelievable. You had no, there would be no mistaking what they were doing. I was in a conference uh, many years ago in Washington, D.C., and we were walking down the streets. We had some downtime, and all of a sudden we heard this big ruckus and sirens coming, and and all of a sudden there was this um, motorcycle Brigade came and, and went by us. And there, I don't know. There were 20, 30 motorcycles, and then a black escalated, another black escalated, another one, another one. And it was the president leaving the Capitol building and going somewhere. I don't know where he was going, but it was, we just stood there in awe as all these cars coming and there were people walking beside it. It was amazing to watch. That is exactly what would have happened here. These people could not have been overlooked by any way. And what do they bring? A gift. A sacrifice of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And Jesus has got to, (laughs) Joseph and Mary has got to get Jesus and go to Egypt. They were so poor that they gave these two turtle doves. They gave a sacrifice. And what does God do? He sends three wise men with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that is most likely how they made it, escape to Egypt to save Jesus' life. God supplied in an unbelievable way. Fashion. It's just amazing what happens. And finally, the last filter we want to look at is price and privilege. There's a price to watch lives being transformed. There's a price that has to be paid. There ha- there's a price that has to be, be that it involves God to show up and do amazing things. What's the value of of a soul? What's the value of a transformed life? What's the, what's the value of these, this next generation that we get the opportunity to build into and love? And, and the last year, the last years here at CrossFit it has been so amazing to watch. Lives being transformed, marriages reconciled, addictions being broken. We've seen relationships restored, needs met, bills paid, You name it. We get the opportunity to watch lives being transformed by God because of our generosity, because of what we are doing. And we don't ever want to stop that. We want to just continue to push. We want to make a difference in our communities. We want to make a difference in people's lives. There's a price, but yet it's a privilege for us to see. None of what happens is free. And so what if your child was in jeopardy? What if your grandchild was in jeopardy? What extent would you go to? to get them back on the right track. If their future would be ruined by the direction they are going, what would it take? What would you be willing to sacrifice? What would you be willing to give to get them straightened out? And I think all of us say we'd give anything. We want them to have that kind of life. And I would argue it's the very same thing with these kids that have some of them have made poor decisions. Some of them just because of the lifestyle that JJM is coming alongside, what is it worth? Us to come alongside each and every one of them. I want you to hear from Joe just a little bit of a, a life story, a life change, a life transformation that we are going to get to be a part of. Joe Wright.
1: I met Willie. Almost 10 years ago when I first started, I've been here about 13 years, and Willie was a kid who uh, came, out of, came out of the streets, he was dealing drugs, he was driving at an early age, started dealing and driving at 14 years old. When he was 16, uh, he, he, was, he had a baby on the way. He knew I drew and uh, wanted me to help him design a tattoo of his son's name so he came to me and asked me we started talking and that developed a a much deeper friendship to where once he got out he wanted to meet with me and we had met over time he would got locked up again but i asked him to the global leadership summit uh, one time thinking i don't know if he'd like this or not a bunch of talking heads on big screens and uh, but he loved it he went the whole day i said do you want to come back tomorrow and he said yeah I'd love to and that night he got shot at three times and he knew who it was. He called the guy's sister and said, I'm done with this lifestyle. Probably about four months later that he called me again and, and we had met in between there but he would said, uh, Mr. Joe, I want to meet and talk and we did and he was working at a factory during that time and he had said, Mr. Joe, this is the first time I've ever made clean money and it feels so good. He's like, I feel like the demons aren't chasing me anymore. I didn't have to rob anybody to get this money and, it's, and he started he, he teared up a little bit it was really a, a neat moment and uh, he was baptized shortly after that and he's been taking care of his kids now that was about 10 years ago and we still keep in touch he still has this uh, relationship with God uh, he's still trying to figure things out in some ways but aren't we all <laughs> um, he's a neat neat kid and, and really uh, I've seen God move in incredible ways in his life. There are a lot of stories like that uh, coming out of ACJC and out of probation uh, where those kids' lives are changed forever and we get to be a part of it. We need people like you to step in those, into, that, into this area as well, as well as funding, as well as prayer. Um, there's a lot of opportunities uh, for kids, to, kids' lives to be shaped, kids' lives to be moved towards Jesus, Away from the darkness. And we need people like you in order to do that. So thank you.
0: That's just one story. And we are going to be privileged to be involved in those kind of stories. That's what Be Rich is all about 100% participation, 100% giving away. And we're going to get to celebrate and watch lives be transformed. That's what God is calling us to do. I cannot wait for a couple weeks. So I would just ask that you prayerfully consider what God is laying on your heart so that we can give and we can watch lives be transformed. That's our privilege, but it comes at a price. Would you pray with me? Father God, it is humbling that you use people like us. God, there are so many hurting people. There are so many kids that need our help. And Father, I pray that you'd place on each and every one of our hearts what you're asking us to do, what you're asking us to provide. God, it's a privilege. Father, I pray that you'd check our hearts, that we would ask the hard question, where is our treasure? And Father, we would give to you and watch you do amazing, amazing things as you provide. It's in the amazing name of Jesus that we pray, amen.